Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Talos of Tech live on Twitch. I appreciate you guys for tuning in um, because Google I.O. happened today and I watched some of it. <laughs> Excuse me. I've been following the, the live blogs and the live tweets and um, obviously a bunch of people talking about it in the Discord today. I, I'll be completely honest. I did not sit through every last detail of it. But um, I got the gist. I got the main bullet points. Um, probably the most interesting development I've seen with it is that Samsung and Google are partnering together to go up against watchOS. So Samsung, it sounds like they're they're going away from Tizen. And they're partnering with Google Wear OS, except now it's just called Wear, um, which was probably the most interesting thing. Uh, them coming up with a different, like, shared platform of, of custom watch faces that people can adopt, adopt to and different third-party application cr being cross-platform as well. Um, and it seems like they're going pretty all in that Google's all about circular watches. So if you want to know the biggest difference between uh, Apple Watch and uh, Google slash Samsung Watch now, it seems like they, at least in all the demos and stuff, I'm sure there's some square Android watches out there, but they seem to want to optimize and design pretty heavily for the circular watch. Um, I thought Samsung would just put Wear OS on their watch, but they actually helped make it. Yeah, I think... These two companies probably should be working together to go up against watchOS because it has kind of a extremely high-end uh, dominance in that field of just like nothing can really touch the watchOS market share right now. It kind of has a insanely, insanely high dominance rate and growth rate that uh, Google and Samsung are kind of struggling to keep up with. Um, the weird algorithm performance that opened the event was pretty cool. Yeah, I, I think so. I think the... Main thing a lot of people wanted to talk about was uh, Android 12, which I have pulled up here. I can we can react to it together. Um, but there's a lot of uh, they're calling it Material U, this like updated design language to the lock screen, and they showed some interesting parts of about how like the lock screen can adjust its color palette. Your your phone and the widgets and the time and stuff will change depending on what you set your photo. So if you if you set like a green a plant photo as your background then the text turns more green and has that kind of green accent depending on where you go or if your photo is someone wearing a yellow shirt like that then the text is yellow if it has more of a blue background it goes blue so it's supposed to give you like all this super duper high-end control over android while simultaneously not um requiring you to go into the deep internal settings of everything so you can still just uh, basically set your wallpaper and it will do a bunch of the customization for you um, designed for you as well. They're also being, <laughs> it's funny because every time uh, Apple unveils a bunch of new features with iOS, I always, every year, every year we talk about quadruple UDC and all these new iOS changes. People are like, Android's had this for so long. The truth is, yes, Apple copies things from Android, but also Android copies things from iOS. Um, and that's what this was with the privacy getting more personal thing where you can specify where, an app can look at you whether you want it to know it's your precise location or just a general area to give them like a ballpark idea of where you are. And um, yeah, of course, Pixel 5 is getting Android 12 first. Um, but you can, you can of how it says it here, you can grant access to precise or approximate location. Those are the words. Um, and they also seem to have more icons popping up, kind of similar to iOS. When an app is using the camera or microphone, it becomes very obvious in the corner. 
Um, and Google's introducing a private compute core, which is part partitioned space within Android that helps secure certain on-device AI processing, like live captions. So, like with Google phones, especially, they can like they can do closed captioning on anything you're looking at. Doesn't matter uh, if it's YouTube or TikTok or whatever; it can live caption it, um, which is pretty interesting as well. Uh, as well as the now playing smart reply. Um, and that by making them securely and not relying on like a, a cloud server that makes it a bit more private by design. But at the same time, everybody's kind of like, well, this is Google. How, <laughs> how private is this actually going to get? Google's all talking about how Android, you know, cares about privacy. Um, but simultaneously, uh, why, why did it take them so long to update their apps for iOS 14.5 when they had to disclose all of the different tracking labels of how these apps keep tabs on you? And that they took a long, long time to update their apps uh, because they knew they were going to have to allow people to opt out of all tracking data. So, yeah, it's it's like I'm sure Google's making some steps in the right direction, but still, you know... Uh, privacy-wise, they don't have the best track record, I would say. But no one has a perfect one. Apple's been caught, too, to be fair. Um, let's see. wonder if Wear OS, which has a big boost because Tizen was pretty good and partnering with Samsung means a lot more people will be using Wear OS. Yeah, I didn't quite see... Correct me if I'm wrong, but are Samsung watches that are currently running Tizen, are those going to start running Wear now? Or... Is that are they going to keep running Tizen on the older watches? Like I'm not entirely sure. Um, Google is still selling your data to other companies and data brokers. Yeah, I'm sure there. Avnub says Android 12 updates are pretty insignificant in the grand scheme of things, considering that most Android OEMs slap on their own software skin anyway with their own features. That was the thing I had my mind the whole on my mind the whole time. Um, seeing especially like backgrounds like this where there's all these different you know, clean stock Android look. Can I blow this up at all? Can I make this bigger? Um, seeing all these different Material U interfaces and they pretty much any Google I.O. I've seen or Pixel unveiling I've seen where they got the updated, I still don't like having to swipe down for the control center toggles and like the display brightness thing is way up high. I, I still prefer it being closer to the bottom to access those kinds of things. And when you combine notifications and settings i don't know i'm an ios guy you guys know that so if you're asking me what i think like yeah i, I would say these screens of these like minimal simplistic apps with the clean messages and clean animations this all looks great it's just android will hardly ever look like that because so many oems are gonna slap their own skin on top of it of course android 12 12 adoption is going to be abysmal the number of uh, android phones that support android 12 at first is going to be very slow and there's going to be a lot of older devices and people are also just going to be comfortable with their old third-party widgets that aren't optimized for material you likely so if they find a way to kind of mainstream this and get android 12 and material you kind of uniform and equal across all different android platforms that would be a different story and that could happen maybe they'll roll this out to more companies better with more partnerships with samsung and oneplus i hope they can do that but I've just seen pretty clean, pretty standard, you know, good-looking user interfaces at I.O., but then in execution in the real world, they almost never look like that. That's why I'm kind of like, eh, it looks good. Yeah, I mean, I still prefer the look of iOS just because that's what I'm comfortable with, but um, I'm more curious how 
they can standardize Android a bit more, which is kind of something you struggle with when uh, you have so much customization, you have so many different OEMs building for one platform. They're all slapping in their own skins. They're all tinkering the widgets. They're all tinkering the settings and everything. So I don't know. It's going to take a lot of time for AppDesk to convert their apps to Material U. I agree, bro, man. In fact, it could take years. It, it could very easily take many, many years for them to actually happening it. Um, but bro, man told me they are ditching it. So, But Yolo Piap is saying current watches will keep running Tizen. Um, privacy is our biggest focus. Okay, Google. I'm sure it is. <laughs> Where do you get most of your money from again, Google? Wait a minute. Um. Oh, my Google Home. Oh, I forgot to close the door. I was saying Google a bunch of times and my Google Home Max went off. Hold on. Let me just... I don't want it listening to me. This is an Apple safe zone. No Google speakers in here. They can hang out in the kitchen and that's it. Um, both are insecure. It's just that when iOS security bug is found, it is way likelier that you will get a patch fast. Uh, there's no, like, perfect software but i would say google at least statistically has resulted in more uh insecure operating systems that can be breached and like you said they don't roll out an update to every phone that patches that update as quickly whereas on ios everybody is on the pretty pretty close to latest version of software the apple's been pretty good with that with both ipads and iphones getting everybody on the latest version google's never very never really been that good at it um nowhere close to the ios adoption rate um Raphael says i found these giant buttons unnecessary to allow access to the camera and microphone in the control center it's not something that we change all the time just ask the user if he allows it when opening the app for the first time as is ios I would agree, and I also think that there's certain apps that shouldn't really have to ask. Like, I get that Apple's not trying to have a double standard for themselves, but to me, like, the default camera app that ships with the phone, does that really have to ask, ask for permission to use the camera? Like, come on, let's let's be real. Like, if you open Maps... The default Maps app. Not like a third-party map application, but like the first-party app that ships with the phone. It's built into the operating system. Does that need to ask for your location? Especially if you start plugging in directions, if you have to start typing in that type of thing. I mean, that's how it is on iOS. I'm sure Google might be different, but um, let's see. I sometimes wish Apple would do something interesting with the designs of the iPhone and the Mac. For example, back in Mac OS X Tiger, the Windows had a brushed metal appearance that was pretty cool. And they did the space theme for a couple years, but pretty much since 2013-14, it's just been white, white, and more white with dark mode, obviously, but still. To me, that's not really a problem. It's just people getting bored, and I think if they changed it, you would also get bored of that eventually. So it's it's kind of trying to fix a problem that doesn't exist. I'm sure there's more theme packs they could come up with, but I don't know. Every time I watch Apple change something drastically with the look of an operating system, everybody gets angry because they're used to it looking a certain way and they're comfortable with that. And as soon as it's not what they're comfortable with, everybody freaks out. So I I totally get why uh, companies don't want to change the fundamental look of things too regularly. You can once in a while, and I, I think the new look for Android 12 is pretty good looking. I just I just know most Android phones aren't going to look like that with all their skins and how slow they are to adopt newer versions. And Material U will probably be a pretty common pixel thing. 
But as we all know, Pixel's not a huge portion of the market. It's still kind of niche right now. It's not anywhere near close to like top selling phones in the world. I don't even think it's in top 20 or top 30. Um, it's just kind of, it's there iPhone camera quality is better than Android dispute of iPhones having at most three cameras and Samsung has so many. Well, it depends on the phone, I'm sure. There's certain aspects like Marquez was talking about too at IO, the the all kinds of artificial intelligence they use for computational photography is very impressive. Google hardware has never been very impressive to me, but the software is always killer. Um the fact that they were able to basically with their high resolution cameras, like Sundar was talking about, they're able to make a 3d map of people in front of you and like track their motion in real time, just with like fairly high resolution cameras, they're essentially able to get a 3d mapped environment similar to that of LIDAR without, without having to actually use LIDAR, which is insanely cool because Google has probably the most advanced algorithms and artificial intelligence and machine learning in the world. And like their Google photos thing, or they're just able to find those little patterns to see like backpack and, uh, f familiar faces and figure out geotag where these pictures are and put them together um, into these little collages. I see them in Google Photos sometimes too because at the time of filming this, I'm still uh, using Google Photos because it's unlimited backup, but that's about to end in just a couple weeks. And then, then I'm going to be really screwed because I'm going to have to find some places for pictures and videos. But um, yeah, the Pixel camera is awesome due to software. The hardware they've used in the Pixel cameras over the past few years is really nothing special. In fact, I believe the lenses and sensors they've used on both the Pixel 5 and 4 are basically the same sensors. They haven't changed much from the Pixel 2 and 3. There's very little hardware-wise they're updating, but they have just insanely good software, which in my opinion helps a lot more with photography instead of videography. Um, because photography, it's a lot of post-processing trickery. Uh, Google, for a good number of years, was not really able to show much in real time, like in the camera preview when you're taking pictures. But then once you take one and then it processes it for a bit, that's when you have like insanely good bokeh and really good color calibration. But you have to wait for it to kind of process that. And Pixel always kind of shipped somewhat crappy CPUs. Um, they were never the latest greatest in the flagships, and now with the budget models, they're not even put. They're putting mid-range chips in the Pixel, so it takes time for them to iron out the processing and make the picture look good. But after a while, it will look pretty decent. Whereas um, Apple, I don't think their algorithms and machine learning is bad, but they just put a lot more emphasis on the hardware too. We can create a three D environment from a single photo. Google Waymo be like Lama, <laughs> we need lidar. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Why is Waymo all about LiDAR, but on on Android 12, they're like, no, you just need less hardware. Just need a camera. Um, be sure to let us know your new photo storage option. I'm probably just going to offload stuff onto personal hard drives. I haven't found a cloud storage service that I'm happy with, so that's probably what I'll do. Um, did I see the demo of LMMDAI that was pretty cool? Their new natural speech recognition has approved a lot, and it made the conversation sound more realistic. I don't think I saw that exact part, but um, it reminds me of Google Duplex from a few years back. That, yeah, the Google voice recognition and um, natural speech recognition has gotten very good. I just noticed it in, like, YouTube closed captions, just being able to see 
how spot on a lot of those are without anybody putting an input. It can just listen to you and know exactly how to type it out. Um, no, Google Waymo uses radar and LIDAR and cameras. It uses like all the hardware put together. Um, so yeah, the, their voice recognition stuff is top notch. Uh, I just recall everybody getting hopped, uh, hyped up about duplex, but then no one really using it in day-to-day world, which is kind of like IO over the years. That's why I wasn't following this one super closely. Um, I've, I used to watch IO every year and pretty much every year I watched it, it just got more and more stale and less and less interesting. And there's just too, too much stuff to sit through to the point that I'm like, I'll just keep up with the live blogs and kind of follow the highlights. So I see the biggest changes, but the little demos they put in between are always like, wow, that's cool. And then no one uses it. Why not create a bunch of Google accounts to store photos? It's like virtual hard drives with passcodes. You only get 15 gigs each, which I hate. I I hate how many email addresses I have to keep track of now knowing that I would have to log in and log out and log in and log out. And kind of the whole idea of having a photo library, at least for me, is like looking back at old pictures. If I had to remember a different account, a different password for like, oh, these these 15 gigs of pictures and videos, and then these 15 gigs of pictures and videos, it's just going to be so much. It's just going to be so much work. I, <laughs> it's not worth the hassle. Um, yeah, it's technically free, but you could do that with iCloud too. It's just less gigs, I guess. Um, I've been looking at either Pixel or OnePlus, leaning towards Pixel. I just don't get what the main advantages of the Pixel are. I guess they have a handful of software advantages, and the Pixels can be pretty cheap now. But I really dig the OnePlus, especially for flagship stuff. But um, their update schedule is downright bad. I have the 7T, and I only got Android 11 last month. I guess if you really, really want the latest version of Android, but the thing is a lot of the things that stock Android is promising are things that other companies like Samsung or OnePlus have already come up with in their skins that already let you do certain things. So that's kind of why stock Android has never been a huge selling point to me is because oftentimes Samsung's One UI or Oxygen OS can be better than stock or have other features. It's it's all personal preference, I guess, but... um make a list virtually and physically for each account physically for each account that sounds just like so much work i'm not gonna make the time for that (laughs) oxygen os 11 is better than stock android according to a uc i don't know how to say your name (laughs) um have you checked out backblaze for a backup option that was the one i was considering five bucks a month for unlimited storage I'm betting it's unlimited photos, not videos. I haven't heard of that one, but if it's anything like um, Flickr, that's what it sounded like. Funny to call a phone the OnePlus, especially when you have different versions. The six, oh, yeah, you're the first person to ever think of that, SkyDriver, I'm sure. I like the 4A because it is so small for an Android. Yeah, the 4A is probably like the smallest Android gets and still like pretty insanely affordable. I like the 4A. But um, I guess if you're on a budget, that's that's about as cheap as a good phone gets. Um, I might buy a Pixel just for that material U look. My God, I'm in love with that look. And the Pixel 6 Pro looks good, too. I'm hyped to see what Google brings to the table. 
Yeah, I guess if you really like that software, it's just funny because, uh, you know, over the years I've always heard people say, like, I prefer Android for the customization and I can make it however I want to make it. But um, simultaneously, people really like the stock operating system that their Android phone ships with. You know, they want it to just come out of the box a certain way. <laughs> and that's and that's it. But um, now people are like, yeah, yeah, if that's that's the stock operating system it ships with. So there's a lot of like software exclusives that people are buying Android phones now, even though that's what a lot of Android fans kind of despised about iOS is it was like, oh, software exclusive this and iOS is only on the iPhone and you have to get an iPhone to run iOS. But I, I have to use the App Store. It's like eh, Google's kind of doing the same thing. Um. Black Bays backs up everything on your computer. Oh. Well, that doesn't fix my problem. I have less storage issues on my phone than I have on my Mac, especially for all my video editing stuff. <laughs> I I know what a NAS is. I don't want a NAS because I'm going to have to buy a big expensive box or I'm going to have to make a custom one myself and then I'm going to have to plug it in. I only have two power outlets in this whole room. And I'm annoyed with how much stuff there is in here. I'm trying to get rid of more stuff. If I get a NAS, I'm going to have to have another big box with lights on it plugged in all the time or whatever. I, I know exactly what those are, and I'm not interested. Um, there's not a good solution to my photo storage problem. Google Photos screwed me. They messed up everything. Uh, if Google will have the 6 Pro and the Pixel Watch, will you review those? Probably not. I'm I'm just taking a break from Android this year entirely because... I reviewed lots of Android phones of different prices in different realms last year, and pretty much every time I did it, everyone was like, yeah, who cares what you think, Drew? I was like, okay. If y'all don't care, I'll just not talk about it. But um, I did switch to a Pixel for a month. I did. Uh, I reviewed Huawei watches and uh, Galaxy Gear watches a while back. No one was very interested in those videos. So if I saw more interest or demand for that type of content, I would be doing it. I just, whenever I do it, I, I don't see that many people interested in watching. I'm pretty confident that my audience has very, gotten very comfortable with the Apple coverage and that type of thing, which is why I was like, yeah, a lot of people talking about IO, so I'll do a Twitch stream for it. But like a dedicated video or do a whole podcast, not in that, nah, it's not what most of my audience is into. But I just wanted to get the word out so people would who are interested at least i could be like hey i think that google partnering with samsung on where is a good move i think the material you looks good i'm always impressed with google's ai i just think they kind of struggle to find a way to bring it into practical everyday life um they have crazy things they can come up with but finding a way to turn it into something that everybody uses that's that's more challenging um Samsung has new laptops that have good integration with their phones, like an AirDrop competitor. But what uh, editing software am I going to use? Like, I know that Samsung and Google talked about today with their Chromebooks and how they incorporate with the phone. It's just like, pretty much, I hate to say this, but pretty much anything a Chromebook to, can do, you can do on a phone. It's like, <laughs> it's like uh, productivity apps, like word processing and spreadsheets. Like, my wife uses Google Sheets all the time, but she always uses it off her phone. Even though she has an iPad or a laptop, she could use that, but she's just like, ah, the phone's quicker. I just have my phone on me anyway. And you watch YouTube videos. There's there's not just a... There's really not a bunch of software reasons to use a laptop, uh, to use a Chromebook over 
something like an iPad or or a smartphone, um, and those are probably going to age better and feel likely more premium. So I'm, I'm just not super into Chromebooks. I guess the only use case where Chromebooks make sense is especially when you're buying in bulk, like schools for classrooms and stuff, or buying up tons and tons of Chromebooks. Um, yeah, spreadsheets isn't like super well optimized for a phone, but she'd rather just do it on her phone than like buy a whole Chromebook for it or get out a whole laptop for it. She's just like, I just need to add some numbers to this thing real quick, or I'll just add some notes. She gets by with it. Um, so it's it, if there for me when I want to use a laptop or a desktop like this, it's because I have some type of pro application that I can't access elsewhere for for. Like this exact situation, like when I'm live streaming in OBS and I have an external microphone and an external webcam plugged in, I can't really do this whole get up from an iPad or an iPhone. So that's why I have the Mac or Final Cut Pro of like a pro class editing application uh, that's built into a device that's also incorporated into the ecosystem. So if I want to throw my iPhone footage on there, if I want to airdrop files, I can. But I also have that high end pro uh, application available with the Samsung laptops, I'm sure they're decent performance, but I doubt they're going to be substantially better than my iMac Pro in terms of export time. So it's like, yeah, I could switch to a Samsung in a PC, and then I'm going to have to find some kind of, you know, um, what's that free one? DaVinci Resolve. I'd have to edit on some other video editing application. I would have to pay for Adobe, which is why I'm not interested in switching back to Adobe Premiere or anything like that. Um, and I know for a fact it would be slower at editing and exporting my videos. So it's like, okay, I could switch over and my content production would slow down and I couldn't make as much content all for the lesson of, uh, okay, I tried something else. I don't like this as much <laughs> and then close it. Um, Chrome OS is better compared to iPad for developers. It has Linux support. Yeah, I'm sure for individual rare U cases like that. No, Starlink, come back. Sorry. It was doing so good at the beginning. Oh, well. I'll say... Okay, we're back. Sorry for the lag. Um, I know Chrome OS... I know Chrome OS has Linux support, but uh, that's... The developer community is not, like, everyday people. That's more of a... I would say that falls into kind of more the pro realm of, like, someone doing coding and that type of thing, not everyday consumers as much. Um, I'm sure Apple has a lot of crazy ideas too. These crazy announcements from Google are just to impress fanboys. So they continue saying Google is more innovative than Apple. Yeah. I do think that there's a piece of that of Google just loving to flex and showcase what they can do. Uh, it's not so much, should we do this or how can we use this? It's just kind of like, ah, that's crazy. We thought of this. Who's going to use that? I don't know, but it's cool though. It's amazing. (laughs) Uh, it makes sense for coding, I guess. It's a developer conference. It makes sense for them to show that type of thing. Uh, for everyday consumers, I would agree. iPad OS is probably better than Chrome OS. Um, Chrome OS is basically just a, a browser with a, f- a few t- uh, tweaks <laughs> made altogether. Um, yeah, all the devices are tools. Use the tool that works for you. That's That makes sense. There's no right or wrong answer depending on what you need, but... It's good to put thought into it. Good to think about what you're spending your money on and what is taking more of your money compared to something else that's taking less of your money. Um, let's see. Uh, it would be nice to have an iPad Pro in my hand right now. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> it is nice. I agree holding it. Samsung laptops look good, but you'll have to deal with Windows and they use Intel chips, so it's not as fast or as power efficient as the M1 Max. That's what I'm not in love with. Like, I tolerate Android. I can get used to Android. I used Windows for many years, and I just kind of despise Windows. I kind of hate it. Um, Windows is something I would not feel comfortable switching to for prolonged productivity because I've tried that, and I was doing YouTube full-time and was doing some editing on on the PC. Well, no, I don't think I was full-time yet, but I was doing a lot of YouTube videos, and I had a PC for a while, and the unreliability of the OS and how unstable it was and the applications just flat out not being as well optimized as Final Cut for the Mac, that's just really ultimately what keeps me from switching. I'm trying to find a video editing application that can be as efficient as Final Cut on a Mac, a Mac with a good solid CPU and GPU with optimized software and those export times, it's just going to something else is just going to be a headache. It's just going to take longer. It's going to be laggier and the compression probably isn't even going to be as good as quality. <laughs> so that's what I am not interested or excited at all about switching to a windows PC, even to a review. Um, and I know that people know me for the Apple sheep. They know I'm not going to recommend anybody get a windows laptop. So <laughs> they know, they know what I'm going to say. I'm like, yeah, that's not going to, that's not going to be a fun road to go down uh at least chrome os has a fully featured browser compared to safari on ipad os which still has some limitations and weird optimization issues the browser is the reason why i continue to use a mac what is it exactly because i i do every everything browser wise i can do on a mac i can do on my ipad like what what is it exactly to me i have full safari on the ipad but that's just my tool for my workplace i don't i'm not saying you're lying i'm just trying to understand what is it exactly that Safari on the Mac does that iPad doesn't? Because I, I have not experienced that ever. Um, for me, it's just a full-on desktop version. Whenever I bring up a creator page or whenever I download files, it's exactly the same as my Mac. Um, but iPad OS, I would argue, has more productivity-based apps than Chrome OS does. Chrome OS is just like text editing and slides and spreadsheets and YouTube videos. And I guess because you can boot it into Linux, you can do coding and software engineering, but which makes sense for the tool, depending on what you're doing. Um, but when it comes to like video editing applications, I've yet to see anything on Chrome OS rival that of like Luma Fusion or Affinity Photo or Over or... And they can try their best to like design. I feel like the game library on iPad is much stronger than Chrome OS too. I tried to do a few games back when I reviewed the Pixel Book, and it was atrocious. Like trying to run the Android tablet apps on the Chromebooks were pretty bad. They were definitely not optimized. So extensions is that it? Google Chrome extensions on iPad. Well, Chrome is on the iPad, so is that. That's not a Safari problem. That's a Google problem, isn't it? Everyone's saying they don't like Safari, but then when I ask them what don't they like about it, they say Chrome extensions. So, like, what can't they bring that to the iPad app if they wanted to? They just don't want to. I want Xcode on the iPad if I can get that. Maybe a terminal. I don't think I'll own a Mac, only iPad. Yeah, I've seen that brought up a lot. A lot of people want the Xcode. 
and the and the terminal commands. That's why it makes me wonder. Like, yeah, I I agree. It would be nicer if Apple just brought more Mac features to iPad OS and made the iPad more capable. Um, but simultaneously, there's such a long laundry list of features and tiny little things that are like, well, I use this on the Mac. No, I need this on the Mac. Um, Safari extensions. Which ones specifically? I like specifics. I don't like the vague things. What exactly is the extension that it doesn't have that you need so desperately? Uh, you can't use... It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Plugins on iPad Safari and certain websites I use don't work as well iPadOS Safari is close, but just not as capable as Mac. I do agree. Get specific, people. I'm asking. Tell me. The specific applications, the, the specific extension that doesn't work. Just get really precise. Xcode application files way too huge. 17 gigs, but your MacBook needs at least 30 gigs to install it, or they'll tell you not enough space to install. Yeah, I get there's a lot of like beta apps that take up more space and that kind of thing, so I somewhat get it. Don't just keep saying it needs third-party extension. Tell me which one. Tell me precisely. This is like the whole Siri is bad. Why is it bad? I don't know. It's just bad. <laughs> no one can tell me what it is. You want honey. Oh. Okay, there's one. We got one. You want honey on the iPad so it can track your data. <laughs> Give you coupon codes for all of those third-party how much third-party online shopping how often do you use honey because i've talked to a lot of people that are like yeah i installed it it never went anywhere i bet they want to differentiate those two so people don't get mixed feelings with the ipads and macbooks yeah i would still think like they could bypass that giant laundry list if they just allowed you to boot it up uh mac os on the ipad not like by default but just if you want to you can boot up mac os and then you have everything brought over it's got the same chip it's got the hardware lockdown proctoring extensions for school interesting tube buddy vid iq email tracker honey and more those are extensions okay so we got 
VidIQ and TubeBuddy. I haven't used those. Ad blockers, of course. <laughs> you can't use Reader View. That's different. Um, I can't even play Happy Wheels now. It requires flat. Well, that's going to be a problem on Mac, too. Um, in my university, when people used Safari, they couldn't write the exam because it kept crashing or not loading. So people used the Chrome version, and it worked fine. This is on Mac, by the way. Well, that's what I'm saying. You can get Chrome on the iPad. That's that's not an iPad versus Mac issue. That's a Chrome and how they maintain their app issue. Book bar, bookmark managers. I've never used those. How do you manage your different bookmarks? Because I just have the few ones that show up whenever I open Safari and I can tap my go-tos. third-party extension called Oof420. What does that one do? I want to know more about Oof420 because I don't use any extensions on my Mac. I think that's the primary reason I don't notice any difference. No one's convinced me of one that sounds useful enough that I should install it. Um, I'm not against Safari getting extensions. I just want to know more about this. That's why I'm asking. Dark mode Safari extension. Well, There's all kinds of dark mode websites that can support that natively websites just have to enable it like mac rumors has that as does nine to five mac i believe you can get google chrome on iphone ipad and macbook yeah that's what i don't get um th the main reason i do i choose ipad over mac is simple pen support that's true they still do got the stylus apple forces all mobile browsers to use their web view engine so browsers on ios slash ipad os don't matter and don't fix any problems safari fundamentally have here's a specific problem oh is a bigger paragraph coming could have just included in the first message there's so many people <laughs> all i know is that ipad os used to always bring the the iphone version of websites and they changed it a few years ago to bring the desktop version and ever since that's happened everything i could do on my desktop version of safari i could do on my ipad i get that i'm not every use case and there's tons of people doing things outside of mine i'm just trying to understand what everybody else is doing um most websites don't support that they should. I'm just saying there's a solution. There's just other people aren't taking advantage of it. And you're just hoping Apple would support a third party that would fix the problem instead of other websites just optimizing for that problem in the first place. Um, Apple just booting macOS to the iPad would be one of the laziest things they've ever done. <laughs> Sometimes the best solution to the problem is the easiest one, though. Because here's the way I look at it. macOS is doing all the things that people are preventing themselves upgrading solely to the iPad for. They're like, this is why I can't abandon the Mac. The iPad can't do this. And people are like, just make iPad OS better. But it's every year we're saying the same thing year after year after year. We keep saying like, okay, iPad OS got a little bit better, but it's still not doing X, Y, Z. And then another year is going to go by. We're probably going to watch quadruple UDC and everyone's going to be like, eh, it still doesn't do this. It still doesn't do this. It still doesn't do this. So that's why I have to keep my Mac. So it, it ends up being just year after year. They're like, eh, it got a little bit better, but it's still not Mac replacement for me. It got a little bit better, but the Mac still can do this and the iPad can't. So if they were to just play the lazy route and say, okay, we'll let you dual boot Mac OS onto the iPad if you want. 
Just like everybody told me, you know, iPad will never get the M1 chip. That's for Macs. Why would they put that in an iPad? And then they did it. And I'm like, hey, everybody, they did the thing. So now they've got Thunderbolt port, just like a Mac. They've got keyboard and trackpad support, just like a Mac. They've got the M1 chip, just like a Mac. Mac OS could scale to the iPad hardware a million percent easier than iPad OS can gain every Mac feature that people care about between the extensions you guys are all talking about within the browser, between uh, terminal commands, between Xcode and downloading certain applications and running them through Rosetta, whatever. All these things macOS is already pretty optimized for. Like macOS can adopt to a 4 by 3 aspect ratio already. iPadOS is pretty much fixed at 4 by 3 So if they wanted to revamp external monitor support, they would have to bring all of these changes to how applications from the iPad App Store work and how they work on um, the iPad exporting to how the home screen is laid out, file management systems, resizing windows. All of that is going to take way, way longer than if they were to just give up and slap Mac OS on there, which is why I'm not against it. I'm like, that would fix a lot of problems very quickly that iPad OS is going to take probably many, many years to catch up on. Video editing is also a niche market. I agree. No, I, I'd never say I'd never say otherwise. Was there a point earlier when I was saying video editing is a everyday consumer thing? I don't believe that. Do you not realize how money works? If people like the iPad, but they also want Mac features, why make one device when you can make two and get double the profits? I get that, but I mean, I think there, that's a lot of the reasoning for it. But by that argument, why? Uh, why put the M1? Why make the M1 so powerful? You know, make it, put it in one device and uh, charge way extra. Why make the Mac Mini cheaper in that regard? You know, if you can charge the same amount and say it's higher performance, there's a certain point where Apple is comfortable cannibalizing their current market. Um, and I've made that argument too in podcasts and in Discord that Apple probably isn't going to bring macOS to the iPad because they know it would be too good. That's that's kind of my end conclusion here is that i don't think apple will port mac os to the ipad but it's because the ipad would become way too powerful and then macbooks would be kind of pointless if you could put mac os on ipad pros would it really matter like what what, what would the advantages be i guess price macbooks could be a bit cheaper than the ipads but you could have one device with stylus support that runs iPadOS and has 120 hertz and face ID and mini LED. And you could also boot it into a Mac and have external monitor revamp support. And you could download any application a Mac can, run it directly off the iPad and take it with you. It would be so untouchable that Mac sales would be cannibalized a bit. But there are many times in Apple's history, this is the counter argument that Randy and Nick and lots of other people brought up, is like Apple's okay killing off a lot of their line. The Mac line is not their bread and butter anymore. That's the iPhone. iPhone wearables and services, that's like the majority of Apple's revenue, not the Mac. So if Apple can get a very powerful machine that's willing to cannibalize a ton of their lineup, they'll be okay with it um, because ultimately... Here's the thing, though. iPads typically cost more than MacBooks. So if they were to tell you, no, don't buy a $1,000 MacBook Air, you should just buy a $2,000 iPad and then buy a $400 keyboard case and buy a $100 Apple Pencil and get the cellular iPad, which costs more, um, there's arguably you could get people to spend more money by buying an iPad over buying a MacBook. 
So if you're talking about profit margins, if you're talking about uh, revenue and the iPad would cannibalize too much, well, Apple probably would get you to spend more money on their products if you were buying iPads instead of MacBooks. So it's not a terrible idea in my mind. Um, problem with macOS and iPad would be storage. macOS alone is 15 gigs, and with all standard apps, it's at least 30 gigs. So you would lead at least a 512 gig iPad to both have, uh, to have both operating systems and not instantly run out of storage. I don't think it's necessarily 512. I mean, I was just thinking at how many Macs ship with 256 gig as it is. And I don't think iPad OS takes up an insane amount of space. Okay, let's say uh, Mac OS takes up 15 gigs. Um, iPad OS might take up another 15 gigs. I, I could understand them wanting to, you know, upsell you and be like, hey, you should get the higher storage configuration. But Apple's not against shipping you on lower storage and then telling you to pay for more iCloud. Like, they're still shipping 64 gig iPhone. Like, that's not going to scare Apple away. <laughs> they were selling 128 gig Mac minis just a couple of years ago. wasn't even that long ago. I had one um, where the entry level Mac mini still shipped with 128 gigs and they were fine with that. So I don't think the storage would steer them away. Um, I should clarify that the weird optimization issues on iPad Safari is due to the cursor support on iPad OS working slightly different compared to the Mac cursor. Half the time, the iPad cursor works like a finger and works like a traditional cursor. And other times, if Apple fixes the inconsistency, Safari would be miles better. I'm sorry it doesn't work for you. It's just like, man, between all of the desktop, whether it be online um, applications, whether it be uh, different websites that I pay my bills on and manage you know, uh, brokerage accounts or I manage my YouTube channel, everything on the iPad works exactly the same for me. It's interesting that everybody else finds these different edge cases that I've not been able to find myself. Um, like Apple was okay with the iPhone killing the iPod because they knew fundamentally that they could get more money out of you with an iPhone than an iPod. Um, that's hilarious. So many people say Safari on iPad is bad. I use it every day, all the time. I love it. It works exactly the same for me. Um, did you like I.O.? I personally like the Starline project and Android 12 looks so good. Also, their AI, AI, AI stuff was nice as always. It's not my favorite. There's a reason I don't do live reactions to it anymore. And I still think that Google is not as good at making things entertaining as Apple. Even developer keynotes. You know, I get that. Uh, this Google I.O. was meant for developers and that, um, you know, so is Quadruple UDC, but just the, the creativity in the production value of Apple events, even if they're technical and even if it's not a consumer-based event, they're very, very good at making things look high quality and fun and incorporating bits of humor and all the transitions and the cinematography. Watching an Apple live stream that's pre-recorded, you know, the the since the pandemic like Quadruple UDC last year, it feels like watching a movie with like the insane production value and the in the reveals and the unveilings of certain products and the CGI that they incorporate. It's incredible. And Google I.O. was just like, uh, we're going to stand in front of this screen. It felt like a PowerPoint presentation. Um, Mike says Safari is fine on his second gen. You have the second gen iPad Pro. Don't say second-gen iPad. That's very different. <laughs> I would be happy if I could boot over to macOS on my iPad. There are very few things I don't like about iPad, and most of the fault falls on developers for not optimizing. 
I see that way too. It does fall on Apple some of the time as well, but um, I was interested in Android 12. Uh, the redesign looks pretty nice, and I was. I think the most interesting thing about I/O was Samsung and Google working together on where uh, the new platform for watches. Because I would like the Apple Watch to have stronger competition. It just they haven't had a chance yet. So hopefully, when Google and Samsung work together, they might have a fighting chance. But they're not. I feel like they're not trying as hard with their custom silicon and how much years of support the operating systems get on the watch. And that's probably steering a bit. And also just Android users in general don't like spending a ton of money on accessories. I think that's ultimately one of the reasons Android Wear, Wear OS couldn't get off the ground as much as Apple does is because Apple kind of dominates the premium smartphone market. Every phone that's like over $600, Apple is like 80% of that market. If you accommodate all smartphone sales, yeah, Apple's not the best seller and Android dominates uh, most of the world. But um, most of that is entry-level, mid-range to low-range um, smartphone prices. And that demographic doesn't like spending a ton of money on watches. Um, whereas Apple's demographic is typically comfortable spending more and more money on their phone and also spending money on the store on their phone and their services and accessories like the AirPods and the watch. So I think ultimately... They're not going to overshadow the Apple Watch, but they might have a chance if they work together, which I thought was more interesting. Um, Google is having a keynote now just dedicated to Android 12. I think I'll watch that now. Okay, good luck. <laughs> Enjoy. Uh, why must Apple have more of a competition with smartwatch? Apple deserves to dominate everything. Nah. Competition's a good thing. Don't be against competition. Uh, Apple's the best at selling expensive phones. That's very correct. I don't get uh, why some people give importance to only the content of the keynote, not the presentation itself, and trying to justify the bad presentation with the excuse that Google or other tech companies only focuses on making great software, hardware, etc., not the presentation. The fact that Apple has both the content and presentation of that content nailed is a testament to how organized a company Apple is. Yeah, I agree. That's how I look at it, too. Is It's like you can talk about developer-based things. You can talk about very technical not consumer friendly news in a way that's creative and interesting. Uh, and I think they do with Apple events. They, they are creative with how they're filmed and how they transition things. And it's, it's like an art in itself. Um, but they also have interesting announcements to talk about and unveilings to showcase. So I think that's why the Apple event captivates my attention a lot better than IO. I've watched IO every year for the past I think 2016 or 15 was the first one I watched. Yeah, I think it was 15 because I remember them announcing that Google Photos would have unlimited uh, picture and video storage. But I just, similar to how like I can recall there being times in the past where I was like, I remember when an Apple unveiled this and I freaked out. And I remember when Apple announced this and I got super excited. And it's probably because I'm an Apple sheep, sure. But uh, there's just not too many things from Google I.O. I can remember them announcing. It's always like minor software or service announcements, which I guess is most of Google. It makes sense. Yihurasawa says, I didn't even know there was a Google event. I know. I didn't know until this morning either. I was working on today's video and everyone's like, Google IO is going live and people were pinging me. They're like, are you watching IO? Are you reacting to IO? And I was like, oh, is that today? Uh, no, thanks. I'm good. <laughs> I was like, I, I, that's okay. I'll be fine. 
so I, I tuned in here and there while I was editing, and then I watched a few recaps, and I read a few of the blogs talking about the highlights and the biggest changes, and I was like, okay, I see what most people are talking about now. Um, let's see. Who else but Apple? Um, it's your opinion that iOS is better, and my opinion is that Android is better. Okay, those are two facts. Congratulations. Uh, the funny thing is we are debating if Apple should bring macOS to the iPad or bring iPadOS to the Mac. Wait, what? Entirely new version of iPadOS that's more Mac-like, and I guarantee you there's a team of Apple having the same debate this very second and has been debating this for the past seven years. I'm sure they have the same discussions internally, too. They probably think about it more than we do because it's their job. It's like their whole career. I haven't seen anybody arguing should iPadOS come to the MacBook, though. Has someone made that claim? I've never seen someone say that. Like, I don't, I don't get that. Um, but I just think you could, you could skip a lot of years of development if you just agreed to like, okay, if people want to bring Mac OS to the iPad, they can. And then you can convert like, kind of like Samsung DeX in a way, except the thing is Samsung's desktop version of their OS is not very useful. <laughs> you can basically have a big screen in a desktop that does things your phone already does, um, <laughs> which isn't super helpful. But Apple has control over Mac OS, which is a very pro-oriented, very high-end uh, desktop operating system that runs on like $50,000 Mac Pros that people actually use. And... They also have control of something like the iPad, which runs like the most capable tablet operating system in the world. So if you were able to just, like a commenter I was seeing some uh, some people say on videos was like, how about your iPad runs iPadOS when it's just by itself, but then if you dock your iPad via Type-C to an external monitor, then it converts into a macOS machine, as long as you have a keyboard and trackpad uh, that you can interact with or a mouse via bluetooth or whatever and then you can enjoy having a keyboard uh, mouse input for mac os when you're sitting down at a desk because you know if you want to revamp external monitor support for the ipad it's going to be weird because most monitors we're going to plug into are not going to be touch uh, optimized probably none of them so you're not going to want to optimize ipad os for touch on a big screen because you can't really touch it and you're still using a cursor so yeah, you would much rather have um you would much rather have a Mac OS which is built for a keyboard and mouse input and thankfully not built for a touch input uh and it's like pretty much the only desktop operating system that's kind of prioritizing keyboard and mouse these days unlike uh uh Windows 10 which is still trying to be this kind of weird middle ground that does keyboard and mouse and touch except most people don't use the touch screen so a Dex-like feature on iPadOS would fix those tiny limitations I currently have. Me too. Like, if if my iPad, when I plug it into an external monitor, suddenly became a Mac, then I would be like, that's sweet. You know, that would... I could do this. I could do video editing with Final Cut. And, yeah, it would take up a bit of storage, but that's why I'm saying don't make it by default. I'm not saying bring Mac OS to the iPad Pro like that's what it boots up on when you turn it on. I'm not saying kill off iPadOS. I'm just saying as an optional thing for those pros out there. And I'm not even saying let it come to all iPads. You could you could totally easily just say this is only available on 
uh, iPad Pro. You need an M1 chip to run Mac OS. That way they don't have to worry about optimizing Mac OS for the A14 and A12 chips, which have less RAM and less processing power and probably less storage overall. So you don't, I'm not suggesting they should let you boot Mac OS onto every iPad in the lineup, like trying to put Mac OS on an iPad mini or something. Probably too much optimization difficulties, and it would be a little bit too complicated. So I'm not suggesting that, but saying, okay, we have Mac OS on the M1 chip, and the iPad Pro is the M1 chip, so let's just one little software update. That's all it would take, Apple. One one little uh, patch that now says, okay, when you're booting up your iPad, you just hold the command R button or whatever, go into recovery mode, and switch that thing over to Mac OS, download it, and uh, now you have all of the capability of a Mac in the form factor of an iPad. I'd be totally down for that. Of course, if they could just make iPadOS better, I'm fine with that too. But um, yeah, I think they're trolling too. It's getting a bit old. Sorry, you keep derailing the uh, you keep derailing the chat, and you keep saying the same thing over and over again. So I'm just I'm just getting rid of you. Sorry. Better luck next time iPad Pro is perfect. The only feature that I need for the next generation is four terabytes. Really? Two terabytes not enough for you? What are you doing on that thing? My God. When is my iMac coming? Yeah, same time as everybody else. I'm not on uh, Santa Cook's nice list. I don't get stuff early. A bunch of people asking during the live stream, have you seen the uh, iMac unboxing videos? Yes. I watched uh, two. Oh, interesting. 9to5Mac just dropped a report saying that the Series 7 could feature a flat edge design. <gasps> Are they doing it? Are they going to do what I was suggesting? We're going to have a squared off Apple Watch chassis? Ooh. It might happen. It might happen. Oh, you're just making the one, making fun of the one terabyte guy. Okay. Uh, what's his name? Big Truck Series Review Motorsports. Yeah, <laughs> he needs that one terabyte iPhone. Like, no tomorrow. Um, yeah, that would be cool. My iMac will, well, it says it'll get here. I don't think it's shipped yet. Let me look at my app, my Apple store status. My iPad is shipped, but my iMac is still saying preparing for shipment, but it still expects to deliver May 21st. So I'm guessing they're doing next day shipping. Every time I've ordered an Apple product in recent history, they like don't ship it until like the day before. And then they do next day shipping and it shows up like really fast. I just need iPad cursor and iPad Safari to be exactly like Mac cursor and Safari for me to go solely on iPad. Weird. It's those little edge cases that I'm like, is Apple really going to take the time to patch every tiny little individual difference until iPad OS and Mac OS Safari are just identical? Because for me, they already are. I can't find a single thing that iPad OS Safari can't do that my Mac can. Um, so a flat edge Apple watch would look horrible in my opinion, although Apple has a way to make different designs look great, except M1 iMac. <laughs> I think there's a lot of bad renders of it. I did a video about that. I was like, the problem with all the renders is that they make it too thick. Everybody makes very thick looking squared off Apple watches. And I agree, there's a lot of ugly looking versions of the squared off watch. But if you do what you did with the iPad Pro with the squared off design and the squared off iPhone is you make it thinner and you make it not super chunk, that's when it looks a bit more classy and more natural looking. Um, Because right now it looks kind of 
it looks kind of uh, what you call too too bricky. Like they make it the same thickness as the current Apple Watch, and it looks bad. People on the internet, we want a round Apple Watch. Apple squared off Apple Watch. <laughs> yeah. I don't think there's any proof that a circular smartwatch would sell better because Apple has made the most popular watch in the world and none of them have been round. They've all been rectangular uh, rectangular display and they have dominated the smartwatch market like no tomorrow. So I just, sorry, I bumped the desk. I just don't see the point, especially because you'd have to tinker watch OS so much to be more, a circular display is not good for displaying information. It's like slightly better if you want a particular watch face, but you can have a round watch face on a square display and you can have little widgets on the outside corners and stuff that work well. But wouldn't a thinner Apple Watch make it harder for them to fit all the ECG sensors and stuff? Also, the battery would have to shrink. Uh, Potentially. there's. I mean, this is Apple we're talking about here. They literally spend years and years working on things to make them thinner. Um, look at the iMac. Uh, that's the solution. The Apple Watch will have a chin. And if any of you morons out there who think the iMac looks great with a chin get mad about that, you're all hypocrites. You have to love the Apple Watch with a chin. <laughs> it's iconic. That's how it looks. It has to be recognizable. Otherwise, it looks like every other watch. Big old fat aluminum chin. That's where they put all the components. White bezel. It's the entry-level watch, guys. Come on. You can't get mad. If you like the iMac, you can't get mad at that design. Makes sense for Apple to make the flat edge Apple Watch thinner because having a more square chassis makes fitting in components more efficient. Hence why the iPad and iPhone got thinner. Exactly. When you have the rounded off chassis, you can't stretch things to the edge as well. You have to like adjust the components to be like, okay, this one has to stop here, but this component it can stop up here, and then the outside is more rounded off. So if you make it square, you can pack things in a little bit better. Um, but yeah, that, it's probably a bit of an engineering challenge to make it thinner. Um, yeah, exactly. Like the home button was iconic. I just wonder if the iPhone 13 will come in the same seven colors as the iMac. I hope so. I hate when they restrict them to just four or five colors. They Apple's never been consistent with colors. You know how many different shades of space gray there have been or black? You know, they always they, one year it's this kind of blue, one year it's this red, then the next year it's a different kind of red. Um, so yeah, it'd be nice if they match the IMAX, but they probably won't. They always mix things up. Is always less comfortable and sharper on the hands on a watch. It will be horrible. You, have you wore a squared off Apple watch? You don't know what it feels like. No one, no one has worn a squared off Apple watch design. As long as it keeps, as long as it keeps this, uh, bow metal, uh, sapphire. No, what is this? Ceramic glass, the little charge puck on the back. The chassis doesn't rub up against your skin. It sits on top of it. Squared wouldn't make any difference. You haven't tried it. You don't know how squared off it is. Give it give it a moment. It's not something a watch isn't something you hold. It's something you wear, which is why I'm not like the squared off iPhones are a little bit sharper in the hand, but you have to hold those. A watch just straps onto your wrist and you're done. Oof. I don't think the iPhone 13 will have white bezels. You know, Marquez was saying how, like, he doesn't like white bezels, but he can see the argument of, like, trying to blend it in in everyday surroundings, like the kitchen and the living room and the white wall background. It kind of matches the white bezel. That argument sort of falls apart with the MacBook Air, though. 
if they're planning on bringing white bezels to the MacBook Air or the iPhone, you're not holding, you're not leaving that against a white backdrop all the time. It's a mobile product. You take it with you, which is why I would say it makes more sense for the MacBook Air to have black bezels because that doesn't divide people as much as white bezels do. Um, do you suggest waiting for the Series 7 or get the SE now? If you can wait, it's mid-May, so we got like four months? Four months until new Apple Watch? So if you can wait, go ahead and wait. But if you're in a rush, at least get the SE on sale. They usually have discounts and stuff like that. Yeah. I don't, I'm not going to be a fan of white bezels as long as displays are black when they go off. And that's primarily why. Uh, the edge of the iPhone 12 is sharp because of where the glass meets the metal. But if you feel the edge of the iPad Pro on the back where it's just aluminum meeting more aluminum, it's very, very smooth. That's what the Apple Watch will be like since the back is made of aluminum and just with the sensor circle in the middle. Well, kind of. We don't know exactly what it's going to look like. We, you know, They could do something completely different. They could make it flat on the front and rounded on the back, kind of like the iPod Touch. The aluminum chassis on the back was more rounded, but the front was flat with the glass. Um, they could be doing something like that. There's not like a leaked image of it. There's just a 9to5 Mac report saying apple watch to adopt a more squared chassis but i'm interested because the apple watch hasn't had a redesign in a long time um please don't white bezels on macbook thank you i'm glad i'm not alone there if they would be able to make the turned off screen white though yeah i agree that would be a different that would be a different conversation if when the pixels were off the display was white naturally i've seen concepts of that in movies and stuff like the black mirror there's an episode of Black Mirror called Nosedive, and in that episode they have phones and stuff where the when the displays go off they're not black, they're like the color of the the chassis. And that looks cool. That that's where I can get behind a white bezel or that's where I could understand someone wanting a different texture and more color match, but still to this day, seeing all those iMac unboxings, I'm like, "Yeah, it's a, the display is black when it's off. It looks very weird to me with the white bezel but the off pixels." Have you used the oxygen sensor on your Apple Watch other than when you unboxed it? I do, actually. Sometimes when I'm bored, I just press it, but I, it's never given me any useful information. It's never helped me with anything, but I'll, I'd will i be lying if I said I don't use it. Because when I'm bored or I'm just like sitting around waiting for something to happen, I'll just like open the blood oxygen sensor and just do a reading. And it's always like 99, 96, 100% or whatever. And I'm like, huh, okay. That's... That's a feature, but no, it's it's not been useful. Is it even possible for displays to be naturally white when off? Not good ones. I think you can do it with like bad, like very low quality displays that aren't very pixel rich, um, but not with like typical LCD or OLED displays. You have to come up with a new type of panel that's not as crisp, which is why no one mass produces those things. Something kind of similar to e-ink, like on a Kindle. Um, it's kind of like that, but uh, yeah. Until they do that, I, don't, I see no point in rocking the white bezels anywhere. Didn't the HomePod do that? The HomePod doesn't really have a display. If, you, if you've seen the HomePod tear down, it's like, I think it's like four or five lights. And they can shine through the white plastic, and then they go naturally white when they're off. So I don't mind that look. But um, it's not it's not a rich enough display to actually display text or information. It can just basically give you 
blurry colors. It can it can display like a colorful orb, but that's that's not it couldn't display like a text message or something. Not a high resolution display. You can have like very blurry, opaque looking colors behind a white piece of glass, but I like that look. The white HomePod, we still have that one. When Siri lights up on it, it's like, okay, see, that looks nice. I just don't like the display, black line around the display, and then white bezel, and then I can see the webcam all black standing out, and then a chin on top of that. Yeah. Oh, no, the curse has not been broken. Once again, every Twitch stream turns into the iMac discussion. Sorry, everybody. One day we'll stop talking about it. Hopefully that day comes soon. But I appreciate you all for tuning in, and I appreciate the bits, the Twitch Primes, and I hope everybody has an excellent rest of their Tuesday. And I'll chat with you all later. Take care, all. Bye-bye. Oh, EV video dropping right after this. Bye-bye.